This is Outside the Arc, where we explore lessons learned from the world of basketball and beyond. Insight and wisdom to inspire and educate from coaches, players, and experts from a variety of dynamic topics. From layups to leadership, on-court strategy to parenting and family challenges, NBC Camps brings 50 years of basketball and life skills training experience to help you be your best on and off the court. In 1989, Armenia suffered a devastating earthquake. On the Richter scale, it was 8.2, and in less than four minutes, 30,000 people were killed. One of the fathers who experienced the earthquake immediately ran to his school to try to locate his son. His school was flattened. There was nothing left but a pile of rubble, and parents were sobbing. Fire marshals were turning people away and saying there was nothing to be done. But his father pushed forward and said, I know my son is alive and I'm going to look for him. They tried to dissuade him and push him back, but he grabbed his tools and started digging and unearthing the rubble that was all around him, working and prying things open, moving boulders, pushing away rocks, looking endlessly for his son, yelling out, Armand, Armand. And people would walk by and say, sir, go home. It's too late, there's nothing to be done. But he kept believing that his son was alive. The fire marshal shook his head and said, just leave him alone. This has been a traumatic event. Let everyone deal with their grief in their own way and just let this dad alone. But the dad kept digging and the 24 hour mark went by and he was still fighting to unearth where he felt like his son was located. Eventually on the 38th hour, he was getting exhausted. He was barely able to yell his son's name, Armand, Armand, and he finally pushed back this boulder, enough strength to move this boulder out of the way with some leverage. And he heard a small voice, Dad? And he called people over and they ripped back the earth and there were some children underneath the rubble. And one of them was his son. And later people asked the young boy, Armand, how was it that he was able to maintain hope and continue to keep this other kid's spirits high, even in the midst of such fear and devastation all around. And he said, I said to my friends, if my dad is still alive, he will find me. He will never give up until he locates me and he rescues us. So don't be afraid. My dad will never quit. He will find us. Our key word right now is this concept of hope. What a perfect time that we need hope right now in our world. Facing uncertainty, facing a lot of violence and unrest, frustration and despair. And hope is a really important word that we need to understand and we need to cultivate in our life. We're gonna take some time together to unpack what does hope really mean and how do we have more of that how can we give it to others how can we be a hope coach in today's times of difficulty and confusion thanks for joining us the hebrew word for hope means to expect and you can see that really clearly in the story the father expects to see the son and the son expects to see the father hope is both a noun and it is a verb. As a noun, it means confidence in the future. And one of the things that we see about people without hope is that they have a damaged relationship with their future. It's been, it's been cut off, it's been jeopardized, it's been injured, it's been violated in some ways. And so people without hope do not have a strong future. There's no confidence in their future. 
as a verb, it means to leap forward in expectation and to trust. And so when we look at hope and the qualities of it, it is this drive, this expectation, this will to see what is not yet seen. Getting to grow up at NBC camps has been a real advantage because I've gotten to see students through their lifetime. A lot of people have programs where a student comes in for a brief amount of time, but they haven't been intimately able to see them progress. And one of the students I've had an opportunity to learn when she came in at nine years old and I was working with her and she went on to play at University of Tennessee and then in the WNBA. And I saw right away something different about her and it was this level of hope. And it translated into another really practical things that helped her advance as a player. And one of the things that I noticed is that she had tremendous resiliency that her, she expected to be good and she expected good things to happen to her as a player. And when she encountered a drill that was new to her or that was challenging for her, she didn't approach it the same as other students. A lot of students would try a drill and they would kind of go by it. They wouldn't dive into a drill that they felt uncomfortable with. In fact, they would try to gloss over it or try to make it look better than it was and not her. She would really dive down. She would make mistakes. She would explore it. She would do it over and over again. She would ask me about it later. When she found a drill that was difficult for her, she explored it even more. She exposed herself even more. She asked questions and she dove down into it. She didn't try to hide, gloss over it, skip over it. And I think that plays out in a lot of the research that we find in HOPE. A student, for example, that really struggles with math, when they encounter a difficulty, they get blocked. They don't see a future in it and they, they quit trying. Where a student that really sees themselves as a strong math student, they expect themselves to get that problem. So when they encounter a challenge or they're kind of stymied for a little bit, they don't give up. They go and find someone to help or they look online or they find another resource. They work to find the answer. And that's one of the things that has come out in the research on HOPE that I think is super interesting. And Christina Moon has done some really interesting research on people with higher levels of HOPE. They have the ability to find that next step. They find resources, they find opportunities, find a new doorway, another pathway. They keep moving forward. And, and when I looked at Angela and this nine-year-old person, her level of hope in the drills that she did, she always found that next step. And she would dig deeper rather than stopping. And, and that was that level of hope. And another thing that I saw about her level of hope is that it was rooted in follow through. It was rooted in this tenacity to, to put the muscle behind her expectation. And I think hope without work is really not reality. It's this dream, it's this wishful, imaginative thinking. And that wasn't her case. She backed her dream with true muscle and true grit and follow through. She would dive on the court, she would never give up. If there was a loose ball, she would battle for it. And that sense of vitality and energy was really evident in her style of play and in her, in her whole being. And I think that that's a hallmark of great players is not only do they have the agency to find the best path and to keep trying and to 
delve down deep when they encounter trouble, but they also, you know, put the muscle behind their dreams. Hope right now is so important because many students have a damaged future with education, with basketball. Things have been disrupted. There's uncertainty. There's and many times fear and disappointment. It's really important as educators and parents and students to become people who are committed to the growth and pursuit of hope. I love what scripture says that God is a God of hope and it is both a gift given to us as well as an outcome that comes from a life of trusting and, and doing the work of expecting and following through with what we need to do. What hope does that I think is really remarkable is that it protects us. What does it protect us from? Well, it protects us from fear and anxiety. And fear and anxiety have important roles in our life. They tell us, hey, something is wrong. <laughs> we need to watch out, pay attention here, look closely here, stop, run. Fear and anxiety have something to teach us, but it's a terrible way to live. And when we encounter things that make us afraid, we can fall into the trap of living that on a constant basis. And what hope does, it really insulates us from that elevated desire to constantly be on the look for threat cues. What is a threat cue? It's kind of an interesting term. Who's a dangerous person and how could that be a bad situation for us? And is this situation going to escalate into something that causes us greater pain in the future? And I think with this pandemic, especially arising, basically for many of us, it, it, it came quickly and it came surprisingly. It's not something that we prepared for. We didn't get training, one-on-one -on -one training on how to plan for a pandemic. <laughs> uh, maybe some of us did, but to it. And I think when we're caught off guard, it really bothers me and it bothers, I, I think, a number of people. We don't like to be caught off guard. And there's a sense of hypervigilance that comes from that, like noticing, how can I be better prepared for that next threat? Well, the problem with that, with problem with over-focusing on threat cues, and the mind and the body become very exhausted, and they become tired out, and our, our level of hopelessness in, increases. We're becoming more pessimistic. We start losing our creativity, our vulnerability. We start noticing and recognizing threat cues everywhere. Body is in hyperdrive, and it really affects our relationships, sadly. Uh, we begin to see those around us as possible threats. And so you'll see in families, you know, this escalation of tension. And it's partly that the body and the cortisone level is so high that a tone of voice be becomes misconstrued and everything becomes suspicious. What did you say that for? Well, I didn't mean it like that. Yes, you did. You know, so everything becomes intensified in this state of fear and anxiety. And what hope does, it kind of allows the mind to relax and to move back into a space of wisdom and joy and peace, lay down the constant need to be vigilant all the time because it's too exhausting for the body. It's too, it, it depletes our resources. It depletes our ability to think wisely. And so in this space of hope, it, it allows us joy to look forward with, to the future, to start goal setting, to dream and imagine, and to begin to bring healing to that damaged future that, that some may be feeling, whether in education or with basketball or with relationships, and to bring that hope and that resiliency and that expectation that good is gonna come and that we can rise above this. One of the people that I really admire is a person that coached with us at NBC camps. 
and I've been to a ton of sporting events, Final Fours, lots and lots of basketball in my lifetime. And one of the most inspiring games I went to was one that most people have never saw or never experienced. It was a little game between the NBC coaches campers and it was pretty competitive. You know, the coaches really wanted to win. They have a 10 point deficit and coming to the close of the game, Todd Gossett checked in. Now Todd is an amazing human being. He was born with cerebral palsy has his legs are tangled together and so he would have to run and his knees would rub together to the point that they would chafe and they would bleed and he wasn't able to stop himself so he would run and then if when he wanted to stop he would like do a quick like almost burpee push up and hop back up again and get his balance and then he would run and do this push up to get back in place to play defense again. Just the hardest worker and anyone we saw watching him play would just be amazed by his tenacity and see when he was a young boy he had the choice to have his legs corrected so that he could walk normally without the rubbing but it came with the price that he would never be able to run and Todd loved basketball and he wanted to be able to compete to the fullest extent and with the operation even though it would make his gait more normal and more normalized he decided that he would stay uh, keep his legs the way they were so that he could compete and play basketball and this game was super intense and he hustled down the floor rushing to to, to defend and and interrupt the shooter and he stopped the guy from hitting the three of course fell on the floor after that play popped back up and after a number of times up and down the court his legs were literally bleeding and the campers were just cheering they were on their feet cheering because of his inspirational story that here's this guy willing to bleed for the game willing to do everything he can in the hope of just the celebration of the moment and so when I think of basketball and success I think of Todd Gossett and I think of that willingness to be a type of player that doesn't have to make the outcome of making it to the NBA or making it on a college team the end goal, but just the joy of the game to the point that you're willing to bleed for it, you're willing to sacrifice for it. That's to me that power of hope. This is Outside the Arc where we explore lessons learned from the world of basketball and beyond. Insight and wisdom to inspire and educate from coaches, players, and experts from a variety of dynamic topics. From layups to leadership, on-court strategy to parenting and family challenges, NBC Camps brings 50 years of basketball and life skills training experience to help you be your best on and off the court.